All right. Hey, this has been a blast. I'm going to let you yeah. go, but um, let's let's talk a little bit about um, your website again, roamingpencil.com. Yeah, yeah sure. go ahead and talk yeah. about it. Um, yeah, so so well, it started off with with comic strips, basically, right. because I thought that would be a nice way to like tell the stories in a short way. I like writing as well, but that's like a way to just tell something really short in a funny way, right? Um, and to practice my art skills while traveling. Um, and then eventually, I also started like occasionally writing um, blog posts about things I wanted to tell. Uh, with like more detail, like when I hitchhiked to a wedding, which is what you saw in the picture. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So Not I my own. Like I to... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then um, recently, um, I've all started to make videos. Um, so I made like one about not living anywhere, just like not having a um, permanent home. And another one about hitchhiking, like why hitchhike? Also showing some footage of places I've hitchhiked through. Um, yeah. And yeah, now I'm also, I decided to make a page. Now it's only a Facebook page. I like to make a page, create a page in Hebrew as well. For oh, wow. Israeli readers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to, because like Israelis usually know English, but often they still prefer to read in Hebrew if they can. Right, right. Um, so, so I created a page for that and I'm going to translate my stuff into Hebrew. Uh, it's going to take a while. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, and I'm also writing a book, which is currently in Hebrew, um, about what I'm doing, about like alternative travel and the stuff I've done, like help people do the same if they want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm basically working on now just like um, growing this thing and seeing how I can make this from a hobby to actually sort of a job or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that first thing you got to do is put a donate now on my, on your website, right? Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Jesse Cole, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, it's going fantastic. Pumped to be here. So you are in Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. Yes. Lovely. <laughs> and this time of year, it's, uh, it's pretty cold, right? It gets cooler, but I mean, it was 70 degrees the other day. So Oh, not so bad. It's, uh, it's not. Yeah, and we have, a, we have a beautiful beach here, Tybee Island, that my wife and I live at as well. So we enjoy the walks on the beach even in the winter. Wow. Yeah, Vegas is a, li a little bit like that. It's like like 50s and 60s during the day. And then at night, it's like somebody that's local that's lived here all of his life said it only gets like 20s at night. You know, and that's the coldest winter he can remember. So it's yeah, nothing like Michigan. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. We don't, we don't get any snow, which is nice too. So I'm right. originally from Massachusetts and I've seen my fair share of snow. So I'm excited to get away from it. Exactly. The first thing I thought was when I, when I was 18 and I was joining the air force and I was leaving, um, Michigan and it was in the dead of winter, you know, like December 11th or something. And I was like, I never want to live here again. <laughs> well, from, from California to Vegas, it looks like you've made some good decisions. Yes. Well, I was blessed in the Air Force, too. So, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of uh, warm, warm weather uh, assignments in the Air Force. Uh, aside from two, I did get two snowy ones, which is kind of weird. But what are you going to do? And <laughs> sorry, one of those phone notifications just went off. So, yay, it's live. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on at findyourtux.com. Yes, findyouryellowtux. There so, you go, findyouryellowtux.com. My apologies. Yeah, so, so the biggest thing is we actually, we're, the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment, and we own right. baseball teams. And wow. 
our Savannah Bananas team has become very uh, famous in the sense that we literally have sold out every single game now going for two years. And wow. because we've, we've decided to make baseball not like baseball, make it like a circus and all about entertainment. And when you come to our games, our players do choreographed dances. They deliver roses to little girls in the crowd. <laughs> I mean, literally, we have a senior citizen dance team called the Banana Nanas that dance Uptown Funk and Justin Timberlake in the middle of the game. It is an absolute circus. And so it's a show. We, it, Oh, it's 100 percent a show. And that's why with the yellow tux, uh, I am the showman. And, you know, I've <laughs> I've been described as kind of P.T. Barnum. like, But that's what I look at. I think about how can you create a show and create entertainment. And what I've been able to develop is find your yellow tux, where I've been fortunate to speak all over the country, working with companies on how to create attention and how to stand out. And, you know, it's been I'm very excited about what I'm doing. I just released a book uh, this January. And it's how to be successful by standing out. I think everyone is trying, you know, to follow what everyone else is doing, the status quo, and they aren't standing out. Yeah, kind of find that trend kind of thing, right? And jump on a bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah, they just try to be a little bit better. And the reality is normal gets normal results. And what we've realized is thinking so far out of the box with our baseball teams, we've been able to use that with other businesses. And it's been fun to see because – you know, it's more fun to do things that are different and unique. And I could share stories for years of the things that we've done at a ballpark that no one would ever, ever. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that sounds like a blast. Let's do that. Um, but before we start, let's go back and talk about like, um, say, maybe that story about you were living on an air mattress um, <laughs> and and then and then you turn that around. But before you turn it around, talk a little bit about what your life was like before you had this success with your business. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I played baseball my whole life um, from Massachusetts, was fortunate to get a college scholarship at Wofford College down in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And that was my path. I was going to play baseball. That was what I was set to do and tore everything in my shoulder. And that ended that career pretty quickly. Ouch. And I, and I oh, yeah, it's, everything was torn, literally <laughs> in pieces. You don't really come um, back from that. So really? I, <laughs> No, no chance. No chance. The fact that I can still like, you know, shower normally is good these days. But um, so what so what happens, I got an email about an internship with a a team in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I took it. I said, you know what, let's try the front office. And I learned I loved getting out in the community and, and selling sponsorships and meeting with nonprofits. So I was fortunate at 23 years old to get a job as a general manager of a team right wow. outside, right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, the Gastonia Grizzlies. And I was pumped. I took it. Sight unseen, I was like, I'm going to be a general manager of a baseball team. And then I vividly remember showing up that first day and I found out the real numbers of the team. I found out that the team had only averaged really only 200 fans a game, that the team had lost over $100,000 the previous year, and that there was only $268 in the bank account. And we had three full-time employees. I was the general manager of the worst team in the country. (laughs) Whoops. That was first day. Yeah. you know, at that point, I realized I was like, wow, I remember made, I made 10 phone calls that first day to the business community. The team had been there for seven years and seven of the first phone calls. They never even heard of the team. The next two phone wow. calls, they said they would never work with the team. And that last phone call I got hung up on. That was my first day in business as a 23 year old. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of people would run. But I said, wow, what a unique challenge. And I realized at that point we could no longer be a baseball team. We had to be all in about entertainment. And I convinced the owner of the team to let us do crazy things like grandma beauty pageants and, you know, flatulence fun nights and salute <laughs> underwear nights. And we, I mean, we came up with it, tried everything. And, and Jeff, let me tell you this. Most of it didn't work. But right. what happened was everyone started talking about this crazy team and this crazy GM who were doing things unlike any other team. And right. from there... All of a sudden, now, I also didn't pay myself for the first two or three months. I mean, it was that challenging because there was no money. But once we through that, we started getting to 800 fans a game, 1,200 fans a game, 2,000 fans a game. And that team in Gastonia started selling out games at an old ballpark and became one of the highest attended teams in the country. And from that point on, I bought the team. with my, My wife and I bought the team. I had zero debt at that time. I bought that team, and then I said, let's go buy an expansion team and move it to Savannah, Georgia. So we went zero debt to $1.8 million in debt between the teams and our house, just like that. So you took out a mortgage to buy the team? Is that- I, don't, I took out every loan I could get. You know, you're young, you know, you're in your thirties. How do you, how do you buy teams? It's very simple. You take on a lot of debt. Yeah. <laughs> like all, all of do. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, Holy cow. so, but, but we believed what we were doing because we saw the success 
Lewis and Gastoni. We believed we could do it. And so we went down to Savannah. And just to give you a little backstory on Savannah, there was professional baseball there for 90 years. Professional baseball. We are college summer baseball. So there's like major league, triple A, double A, single A, independent ball, top level college ball. And then there's us below that. (laughs) Right. Down the bottom. And we were coming into this, you know, 4,000 seat ballpark that literally minor league baseball failed. The former team had to, they wanted a brand new stadium built and the city said no. I mean, because they were having no success at the old stadium, they left and got a brand new stadium built in Columbia, South Carolina. So we were coming in there after baseball had failed and we were like, we can do this. We're going to make it crazy, fun, a circus-like atmosphere. We're going to do all-inclusive tickets that include all your food and everything for just $15. And wow. we, announced it, we announced it to all of Savannah. And what happened? Crickets. Literally, Jeff, nobody cared. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. I, when we showed up that first day, October 5th, 2015, just a little over two years ago, yeah. the, former, the former team had cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines. They took everything out of the stadium, and it was me, my wife, and our four uh, staff members literally working on a picnic table inside an old storage unit area. Like yeah. That's literally where we were working. That was and the office. I love it. That was the office. In the first yeah. month of sales, we did 12 hundred dollars now to, to to feed six people and run the office twelve hundred dollars didn't cut it yeah and the next four months it didn't get any better no one believed us that we were going to be fun they saw that baseball field no one believed in us and in january of 2016 i got a phone call from one of our employees at 4:45 on a friday and said we just overdrafted our account and we were completely out of money wow and at that point my wife and i we were at a wedding we drove back and my wife who's amazing turned to me and said Jesse, we have no choice. We have to sell our house. And we had our dream house in Charlotte, North Carolina. We sold our house. We emptied out our savings account. And we found the one of the worst, ugliest houses in the world in Savannah, actually in Tybee Island. It was on the market for over two years because no one wanted it. And yeah. I remember vividly walk, walking in with my wife. I walked in there and then I immediately walked right out and said, nope, no way. No, no, no. <laughs> So we ended up buying it. Of course. And, uh, so, of course, we bought it and we couldn't afford to really put much furniture in there. So we got an airbed and we slept on the airbed in there. We went, remember, go to Walmart with $30 and said, we need to shop and do our grocery shopping for $30. And we got food that's not even real food. I mean, yes, there were ramen noodles and Hot Pockets, but I mean, those dollar microwave things. Ugh, it was gross. <laughs> I couldn't even sell it. My wife tells a story about the night when a cockroach was on my face and there were ants all over us. Wow. And that's what we were living with. And this was two, just two years ago. And then all of a sudden on February 25th, and I talk about this so much when I'm speaking and in the book, Find Your Yellow Tux, we found a way to create a tension. And we named the team the Savannah Bananas, the first team named after a fruit. But not only that, we had a whole plan to really focus 100% on fun. And all of a sudden when we created that attention. It was number one trending on Twitter. Uh, merchandise was being sold all over over the world. I mean, it was it was crazy. Not to mention the first order of shirts that came in the week before, bananas was spelled wrong with too many N's. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we did it all wrong. We did it all wrong. Um, but people started paying attention. And so uh, that year, all of a sudden, the first seven games sold out. Uh, we started getting national exposure. I mean, there were reporters from Japan covering us. It was crazy. And uh, since that point, we were able to sell out 32 straight games. MSNBC came down to a national feature on us. And we built our staff from those four employees now to 14 full-time uh, year-round and have over 200 part-time staff. And my wife and I officially have a real bed. So we've come a long way. <laughs> and how, did you get out of that house or did you just fix it up? No, we renovated the whole place because uh, I love we love building things. And I think yeah, great yeah. business owners, they want to build things. So that had such uh, character and story to us. We renovated the whole place and now we rent half it out in, in Airbnb and it's it's been a real winner for us. Wow. Look at that. And uh, and all the roaches are gone. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all gone. They're not all gone. But I have I have a little you know spot in my heart for them. Ah, okay. So they have their own space. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were with us during the challenges, so I, I'll, I'll let them stay with us when it's nicer. That's great. That's great. So so when at what point did you put on the yellow tux and start playing the uh, sort of like the the circus um, <laughs> showman kind of role? Uh, it's almost almost six years ago now. So basically, I was like, if we're doing these crazy things like giving away porta johns during games and giving away colon cleansings and doing you know the world's largest, we do it. We do it all. I mean, it's just bizarre. I was like, we gotta, I gotta be dressed dressed apart. So opening night back in 2011 with our team in uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, right. I got a uh, big black 
tuxedo with like the tails, just like P.T. Barnum. And I realized in North Carolina in the middle of the summer, uh, a black suit tuxedo uh, didn't work that well. I literally almost melted that night. So it was that night that I searched online for like a yellow tuxedo because I thought it'd be different. It would stand out. And I found brightcoloredtuxedos.com. And at this point, I now own six of them. And I even proposed to my wife, Emily, in front of a sold out crowd on the field in the yellow tuxedo. And thank goodness she said yes. <laughs> wow. Talk about a big fail. If that goes, if that goes, mur, mur, mur. Yeah. yeah, ouch. 4,000 people just like, I, you know, I probably would have got some good sympathy hugs. Thank, thank goodness. I just sure. got the big hug from Emily. Then. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. So, you know, now it, in our little pre-show chat, that was very brave. You said that you're, uh, you're, you're looking at maybe having to have those custom made in the future because your, your source is going away. Yeah, I, I think I'm the only return customer ever at BrightColorTuxedo.com. <laughs> right. right. And you, you got six like, of them. Six. Yeah. You, know, you, th- you think they know me pretty well. I'll be like, Jesse, you ready for this year's tux? But no, like you can't get them anymore. Like I was like, right. guys, I'm presenting you so well. Let's let's make this happen. So uh, I might be looking to. So if there's anybody that, uh, out there, your listeners that make custom yellow tuxedos and yellow top hats, you know, shoot, shoot me a note. I'll be ready. You need you have a market, a niche. <laughs> His name's <Sure>. Jesse. <laughs> Hey, top dollar. <laughs> That's right. You know, I actually know another guy who he went out and made custom bow ties with his company logo on it. Cool. And uh, yeah, and he he paid for the whole production himself, and uh, and then he got in trouble. <laughs> Because apparently he didn't get approval through whoever he was supposed to, but uh, it, it generated enough interest um, that that whatever pain he had to go uh, pay, you know, through getting yelled at by corporate, uh, the bosses were like, "Well, you know, shut up, <laughs> he made a lot of money." <laughs> so that was, ask for forgiveness at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, all right. So now you guys are rocking and rolling and you're doing your book thing. So let's talk a little bit about what you talk about in the book, because I can imagine you get a lot of folks like saying, yeah, but you know, my business is boring, right? So yes, how can I apply this idea to, you know, my bank job? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's where it works the best. And, and I'll actually, you know, after, after I talk a little bit about it, I'll, you can name an industry and I'll share how it could potentially work. It's, it's a framework and that's what I talk about in the book. And so basically about two years ago, people started asking, you know, how are you doing this? How are you making one of the lowest levels of college base or just baseball in general? So successful. And I said, you know, basically I'm, I'm I found my yellow tux and they're like, what does that mean? And I was like, you know, you find that one thing that makes you stand out, that one thing that makes your business stand out and you go all in on it. And what we realized is that what business are you in, but what business are you really in? I realized we're not in the baseball business. We are 100% in the entertainment business. That's why or the show business, as I always like to say, it's showtime here at the ballpark. When you realize what you can be the best at, we would never be the best baseball team. You know, we can't compete like that. The players at Major League, AAA, AA, they're all better than our players. But what we could be the best at is we could break the rules on the entertainment during the games. I mean, for instance, during our games, our first base coach is a trained hip hop dancer. So in the middle of the game on the field, he will actually be giving signs to the hitter, but doing the Michael Jackson moonwalk into the MC Hammer dance. All right? <laughs> That's great. Right. No one else right, right. Doing that. You know, before the games, we actually bring out a baby, a, a, a mother and a father with like a six month old baby. We put him in a tiny uh, banana costume. We bring the baby to home plate. We bring out all the players and get on a knee and put their hands up in the air doing those jazz fingers that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> right. And we, and, and the, the mother holds up the baby to the crowd in front of 4,000 fans. And over the loudspeakers comes, Nasavania, so, That's great. So I realized we can be the best at that. And that's that's what we focus on. We hire, you know, trained performers and singers and dancers and improv artists. And we hire all those to make it a show and a circus. And the word of mouth marketing that's happened is unbelievable. So I realized what we were the best at, what we could do that. And then as I started speaking around the country at these conferences, I said, you know what, this can work for any business. And I started sharing with them. And we've started seeing businesses now doing the exact same recipe for success. And really, it starts with in the book, I share this, it's the mirror moment. You know, it's the moment in, in uh, Jerry Maguire, the classic film, when yeah. he literally when he starts the movie and he's like, this isn't who we should be. We shouldn't be focused on more clients and more money. We should do less clients and focus solely on them. And he had this mirror moment. Of what was wrong with the industry? The fact that it was all about money it was all about more and what the what the business and the industry should be. 
and he designed that model and he promptly got fired, but right. the story turned well. Look at whatever business you're in, whatever business, a hairstylist, a landscaper, an insurance salesman. What's that mirror moment? What frustrates someone so much about that business and frustrates customers about? What actually pisses you off? And once yeah. you realize that, then you can set that recipe, that formula on how to create the perfect experience. And we've been able to do that. I mean, I just worked with a home builder um, in Bluffton, South Carolina, and a home builder. You know, literally, you would expect just a simple process. You buy your house, you know, they build it for a year, whatever, and then all of a sudden you walk in. They turn this into the most magical experience ever with literally huge celebrations and ribbon cuttings. And they, they have dinner. They, they plan a dinner inside the house before it's even done with just a frame. And they pick you up in a limo and have your favorite dinner with, you know, candlelight and roses. I mean, wow. it's planning that perfect experience, but they're realizing what frustrates you about that business. So any company it works for, and I've been, I've been loving talking to these different businesses as I'm speaking and it's like, yeah, yeah. this. so that's what the book can show. Not only how your business can stand out and be different, but also how you can as well. And I think a lot of times that's the starting point. If you're going to do the same thing as always to everyone else, you're not going to make your business do anything different either. Yeah. And I think you can, you can score big points by just not doing a lot of those pain points, right? Yeah. <laughs> like whatever does it, you know, you, you yeah. call me, how many times you mentioned a bank earlier, you know, yeah. how many times do you call a bank and it's like dial one to go to this? Exactly. Dial three to so in, in banking, all you have to do is just pick up and say, hi, this is Jeff. May I help you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. instead, of, I mean, it, they make it hard and that, that frustrates people. I mean, you, uh, what about planes? You know, you're flying and I, I've flown a lot of different, you know, different carriers. But think about when they start going down the aisle and selling, get your credit card, you get 50,000 miles, get your credit card. No one wants to be sold a credit card while they're in the plane. So don't do it. It's very right. simple. Right, right, right. Now, I want to get, do you fly Southwest a lot? Maybe not. You're, you're in, the, in the East. I wish side. I could because I, like, I want to be a part of Southwest because the idea of them like singing and jumping out of like the, the, uh, the, right. uh, the top bins, like I love that because they're thinking differently. But unfortunately, Southwest does not fly out of Savannah yet. And, right. Uh, well, it's, it, it's kind of Southwest kind of tells you <laughs> the why there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they actually, I think they've bled over into mainstream because now United has got a lot of humor in their, at least in their safety video. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easy to see, but what's happening is United and all these other flights, they end up copying Southwest. You know, you're becoming right. a sec, you're becoming a one-off. And right. so what, what United, what Delta, what American, they need to find out something that makes them different. You know, I say right. this all the time, but you know, better isn't different. Only is different. What can you be the only company to do this? Right. And that's right. what we found. Oh, I like that. That's what we found with our baseball team is how can we be the only and think about anything, a podcast. I mean, the fact that you open and have your guests, you know, do a plug in a very funny way, that's that's different. You know, that that's that's an attention grabber. Now right. think about the rest of the podcast. And, you know, that's the framework that Find Your Yellow Tux, the book talks about. And when I give keynote speeches, that's what I talk about. And it, it's fun. It's fun to work with these companies because they have to, like, change their mindset immediately and develop this different mindset. And there's so much the thought process. I can't do this. This won't work for my company. And I say, well, that's fine. You'll probably become the next Sears, Radio Shack, Toys R Us or Blockbuster. Right. Gone. <laughs> In the business cemetery. Because, yeah. you know, if you're following the trend and you're being normal, no one's talking about you and you're not creating attention, you're done. You need to reinvent right. every single day and put reinvention in part of your DNA. Right. And most companies don't have that. It's true because we're in a whole new world now. You know, I was just <laughs> thinking like how, how different the world is, you know, and this, this talks about a lot about what you're talking about because no, there is no vacuum. It, it, you know, information is available 24 seven and people are out there, you know, constantly on their phones looking at all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, and the, and their attention is fragmented. So if you're not out there, you know, making something that seems, you know, at most fun, but at least a little bit like authentic, right? Yeah. 100%. You're, well, I think, you get lost in the fray kind of thing. Yeah. It's so easy to get lost. And you think about it with marketing, too. I ask this, you know, I believe I says attention beats marketing 1000% of the time. And when you think about what you're putting out there, is it shareable? People won't share something unless it's remarkable. So if you think you're doing something remarkable by saying, oh, you know, we have a sale. It's now $9.99 or it's $19.99. That's not remarkable. You know, doing something that's different. If your things aren't getting shared, if your posts aren't getting shared, 
then your marketing's not working because people right. don't think it's enough. Right. And that's a that's a very simple thing to learn. We do videos constantly. The Savannah Bananas, we brought an intern two years ago to do videos for us. And he was so good at what he did. We hired him full-time, one of the few teams. We actually have a full-time videographer. And on Facebook, we've generated about 1.5 million views on our videos for a baseball team. Do they have anything to do with baseball? No, we do music videos. Like, can't <laughs> stop the feeling. Like, we, we, we literally, we offered an Obama an internship after his presidency was over. And we did a video offering him an internship. I mean, we think about all these spoofs. We did the Sandlot video where the two, the kids come up to, they, they ride up to each other and talk trash to each other. But we did it with grown men and grown adults. Did like, you say you're killing me, Smalls? Yeah, we do all that. And again, a lot of it, some of it doesn't work, but we're constantly trying. And yeah. I, I said, talk about this in the book, but you got to take small bets over and over again. What's the worst thing that happens? You're a business that's professional, but you do one funny, wacky video and some people don't like it. Is that the worst thing that could happen? What if no. people say, it's this actually good yeah. because, you know, I think, and I've found this too in my podcast, like when you're yourself, right. It's, it's, um, and you're authentically yourself. And I think, you know, your brand is kind of like a lot of your personality. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it automatically sort of like people that like you are going to go, that's awesome. People that don't like you, they're going to just tune out like right away. It'll just be like eh, too loud. Right. But that's, that's okay. Good. It's a good yeah. thing. Exactly. Because yeah. they, you don't want those guys around anyway. A hundred percent. You know, it's yeah. better to have like Kevin Kelly says it best, a thousand true fans. And Correct. you know, you don't need to make everyone happy and embrace the criticism. Believe me, when we came out with the Savannah bananas name, Oh, I, we were crucified, Jeff. I mean, of course people were saying, the owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are an embarrassment. You'll never sell a ticket. We got so much criticism, but we got so much people that were talking about it positively that it created attention. And you know what? I, what I love about your show, you have one. You laugh so much throughout the show. It's like, <laughs> right? It's my it thing. It's one of the most contagious laughs. It's like actually, I think it'd be really funny uh, as like a crazy alarm clock. Just wake up laughing. You know? Hey, it's there like, you go. Jeff Smith and you know Jeff Smith you, laughing. That's that should be the name of the show. Jeff, Smith. <laughs> very clear branding. Yes, Jeff Smith but laughing. You know, but but it's so contagious. It's very hard if someone's laughing for you not to laugh back. And I think right. you should change that or cut that out. If you laugh 15, 20 times during your show, there's people that are like, oh, this is way too much. But then you have your people that are true fans. Right. That's what you. Oh, they're like, I want to hear him laugh because it's going to make me laugh, and I'm going to love his show. That's the thing that uh, actually um, more. More, the most feedback uh, uh, that I got, even like before I even had had a podcast, was like, "Dude, you can't leave." When they'd come back from like leave on uh, when I was active duty Air Force, they'd be like, "I missed your laugh." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I not everybody said that, right? So it is that's one thing about me that is like, you know, at the same time, it's one of those things where I've I've heard people say, "Oh, I don't like that guy; just too damn loud." I'm like, okay. <laughs> not everybody's going to like me. That's all right. <laughs> but, but again, and that's the thing. And I think that's a challenge for business leaders and business owners. You know, you have like 60 or 70 reviews and they're all positive. And then you get one negative review. And what right. happens? Focus on that. And everybody does that. And I, I was mm. working with a company in Phoenix last week. And literally, they're talking about their bottom performers. And all the time, they have to focus on their bottom performers. No, focus on the people that love you. Focus on your best performers. Focus right. on the people that make the biggest difference. That's a right. tough thing to teach. But boy, I mean, if, if you, all the people that love you, you were focusing all your time with them, A, you would feel better. B, you'd actually be giving a better uh, experience for them and you'd form more engagement and excitement. So it's a no brainer. Yeah, I actually, I, the best uh, feedback I ever heard about reviews was you can throw away all the fives and mostly throw away all the fours. And you can throw away all the ones because those are haters and lovers, right? Yeah. They're not going to say anything meaningful. You, you zoom on those threes, <laughs> you're going to get some information about that product because yeah, they're being honest. You know, they're like, you know, this isn't, this is medium ground and this is what I thought. Right. And they, they're not, they're not strongly emotional either way. Interesting. Makes sense. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this thing and I'm, I'm curious now. So talk a little bit about firefighter fatigue and, and how to avoid it because I'm, I'm sort of like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something that, that you probably did at some point today. And I bet you everyone does at some point. So you come in to start your day. And this is kind of where the whole premise of the book started. When I saw just traffic outside of Charlotte and people in traffic bumper to bumper every day 
riding, just sitting in traffic and then working the nine to five and doing the same thing over and over again. I was like, people are stuck. You know, find your yellow tux is about creating your own path, finding what you can be the best at and doing it. And I, I started thinking about those people that are driving in and I was like, yep, they're going to go put out fires today. And I think it happens all the time. And especially, especially with business owners, managers, and leaders, you come in your day and you have a plan. I'm going to get these three things accomplished, these five things accomplished. And then what happens? You don't Life. do any of those things. Right? <laughs> it's happened. You know, yeah. a cu- all of a sudden a customer called, I need something right now. This needs to be done. And what do you do? You put out that fire. Oh, then all of a sudden, like, and we've literally happened, like fires have happened at our stadium and we didn't plan that. We had to put out the fire. And, you know, that's where I thought about it. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it all the time. He said, he'll be on a podcast, you know, doing about an hour interview and then he'll finish the interview. I'll 18 missed messages and it's all about fires he has to put out in his you know hundred million dollar company and right that's the reality that happens so what what i teach and try to train on that is you got to hire people to focus on that stuff that that actually enjoy it like i hired a director of operations who just loves putting out fires on. yeah yeah exactly like I, I can't do any of that so i'm terrible with my hands but you know i can promote and put on a show if mm. you are doing what you love and what you are, are the best at Every day and not putting out fires, your company will grow leaps and bounds. It'll be staggering. So the fighting the firefighter fatigue, you got to think about it in a given day. What did you do at the end of the day that was not in your sweet spot, that was actually fixing a problem or putting out a fire? Putting out a fire. If you're the owner of a company and you're putting out all the fires, your company is owner dependent and you're in trouble. Yeah, no, for sure. I I, I um I can I can relate to that because when I was uh, my last assignment in the Air Force. It was exactly what you just talked about. I would be like, well, here's this list of things that I know I have to do today, but I'm probably not going to do them until 5 p.m. when everyone leaves. <laughs> and that's not the way business should be. No, I mean, think about it. No. It, it's crazy. Right. You know, we're working, we're working more hours than we've ever worked because people, you know, it's like, oh, why do you come in early? So I can actually get the work done. I need to get done. Right. Well, then you're not doing the right work. All right. If, right. if from nine to five, you can't get your real work done. You're, you got you're doing something wrong. Right. Yeah. I just saw this in Sweden. This posted yesterday that they're now looking to go to six-hour workdays. And they've already done this. They've tried it with some companies. And the company owner said, you know what? Our work has been just as good, maybe even better. You know why? Because people find the hours to get the work done that they need to get done. And exactly. if you're six hours, you're not going to go on Facebook as much. You so, don't screw around for those two hours. Exactly. You work right. to what you have. Like uh, We have opening night here, May 31st in Savannah. And there's going to be things that we're going to be doing on May 31st to get ready for opening night. It just happens because it's the kids that learn how to get an A on a paper when they wrote it that morning. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. You know, uh, you never saw Air Force troopies move faster when the first thing you do is like in the morning on, say, like a Friday. Right. I would like pull out a whiteboard and say, these are the things we have to do before you can leave for the day. <laughs> you my 15 dudes moving so damn fast. <laughs> it's amazing how things how quick things can de- get done if you right. actually have a plan. Right. And it's not like I got a few things. Let's see which fire. And some people love it. They're like, "Oh, there's a problem. Let me go fix it." All right. And yes. Want it all day. And if that's what they love and they're the <clears> best at, all right, they're your team's firefighter and you do all the stuff that you're best at. Actually, you know, I found out that the fatigue Part of firefighter fatigue comes from the conflict in me anyway, um, Mm -hmm. thinking like I'm not actually doing my job right now. I'm just having fun. But what I'm doing is putting out fires. It's not that those things don't need to get done. It's just there's this conflict of I'm supposed to be doing something else right now (laughs) is the thing that bothers you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you find somebody that's that that you want to make them your firefighter, don't give them anything else to do. <laughs> don't make them in charge of things that they're going to be thinking, oh, I'm not getting my job done. No, your job is to put out all the fires. Yeah. Well, that, what, what we would actually do, and we've done this, so we'd actually give them a, uh, a firefighting costume. So literally, they just... <laughs> That's perfect. Here's actually a funny story. This is we um, were hiring a new on-field host two years ago, a director of fun for our ballpark and entertainment. And so there was a university in Charlotte called Queens University. And I talk about this in the book. And we we literally were like, all right, it was the director of improv, the president of the improv group. So we called him and he was amazing. It was a great interview, had the energy, had the pizzazz, the charisma. So we said, all right, you know, can you just come out to the ballpark uh, and do a full audition? He goes, I can't do that. I'm like, well, you're just 30 minutes down the road. He goes, this isn't Queens University, Charlotte. This is Queens University in Ontario, Canada. And Whoa. I was like, Whoa. so we got this 
we got the school wrong. But on that, we went through the visa process. We got it because he was so good. We got him to come down for the summer. And then as soon as he arrived, what do we have for him? A Mountie costume, a Canadian Mountie costume. <laughs> Or every game we played the Canadian national anthem when we introduced him and he became the Canadian Mountie and he was a boot that all the all year and saying all the Canadian sayings and people loved him. The last game of the year there was a, a receiving <laughs> to thank him. And again, you embrace it. You embrace who people are. Yeah. We will find costumes for people like I mean, that's what we own more costumes than most theater departments at our ballpark because that's wow. fun. So yeah. We see costumes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so I, I like this phrase where you're saying, if you're bored, do something else because a lot of folks sitting in their cube, um, are bored. So <laughs> I get it, but I mean, there's gotta be more to it than do something else. Are you talking about the business owner themselves? Well, I, I think it's, it's staggering. The numbers just came out and we have just put in context, we have 20 employees between both our staffs and the average age is about 24 years old. Our mm. employees are between 22 and 26 years old. My oh, wife and great. I are we're like these ancient, like we're mom and dad. It's crazy. And <laughs> you know, you're, you're you're in your late twenties or early thirties. You're old. Oh no, yeah. Well, I'm I'm in I'm in my mid thirties now. Whoa, so I'm yeah, old man. I'm, I'm not forty seven, but I'm I'm ancient. Right? right, right. Gotcha. But uh, so what's interesting? I just found the statistics out that people in their twenties, the average length of them in a job is thirteen months. And now Sounds throughout right. their entire. Yeah, throughout their entire life now, it's 2.2 years that someone lasts with the job. So the reality is people are moving. People are moving quickly to other jobs. So I think companies need to focus more on their culture and what they're providing. So if, if people are bored, then there's it's not on necessarily the employee. It's on the owner of the company, the business leader, the manager to figure out, all right, what's it, what excites this person? You know, what are they the best at? Because if you hire them and if you go through the right hiring process, you hire them because they were a good fit for your culture and they had skills. Now, sure. if they're getting bored, then you need to start thinking about, all right, what is it that you're, what is it that you love the most during your day? Your day? What, what do you love the most? What can you be the best at? And so I put it the responsibility of the whole team. To actually find out if someone's bored, help them find something that's amazing. And if it's not with your company, great. That's fine. People that's are okay. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Help focus more on your people than you focus on your business. And I think most people, when they ask someone what they do, you know, they say, come up to you, hey, you know, what do you do for what do you do for a living? People always answer with their product, but very rarely do they answer with their their customers or their fans. They answer with the who. So what I always say is like the name of our company is fans first entertainment. And everything's about our fans. And everyone thinks from the outside, those are our, you know, the people that come to our games. But our biggest fans are our people, are our employees. And that's where we put our focus on. And we try to help them grow and help them develop. And if you focus internally on your biggest fans, the company, the money, the product, the byproduct, the, the, it all takes care of itself. That's mm. where companies need to start focusing more on their people and then building their fans and stop focusing on the product and the money and the revenue. We don't even talk about money anymore, Jeff. Literally, one of our amazing employees, uh, you know, Marie, she came up and she said, like, we still talk about money you know, when we talk about sales. And we said, let's only talk about impacts. How many people can we impact? And in wow. a given year, can we impact 100,000 people at our stadium? Can we impact 2 million people online? In our whole company, that's all we talk about. Our goals are based on impacts. And when you do that and you think about the impact and the difference you make on people's lives, everything else, the money, the success of the company takes care of itself. And that's what businesses need to start focusing on. And that's what I'm passionate about and I love talking about because that to me is really finding your old tux. I'm finding what I'm best at and it's really taking care of people, putting on a show, entertaining them and seeing them business in a different way. And when yeah. you see your business in a different way, it's a game changer. So how do how do you teach people to, to know uh, when it's time to go all in like you were talking about before? <laughs> because that seems like it's like the big trick, right? It's like, okay... I mean, it, I don't want to say what you went through is easy, but I think that's what people are thinking. It's like, they're, they're going to be saying like, well, yeah, they, you did it, but you're Jesse Cole, right? <laughs> you're the crazy but, guy in the yellow tux. Exactly. Right. And you, and you get to have fun all day, right? But <laughs> everybody can have fun all day if, if you, uh -huh. if you figure this shit out. A hundred percent. I think what it comes down to, yeah, it comes down to belief and you have to really believe in what you're doing. And that sounds so easy. That's, you know, believe, believe, believe. But it took years for us to really believe. It took us understanding our purpose, understanding our why. And it took us t doing numerous small bets, as we call them. And small bets, I mean, mm, you know, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, we had the, the world's largest tickets one year. And I'll never forget, they were the size of a poster because we thought they'd be really cool. Our fans hated them. They were like, we can't even fit them in our purse, our pockets. Like, they're, <laughs> they're like this is the most impractical ticket ever. You know, we tried all these different things, but a part of it, we built our brand into who we are and about just thinking different, being about entertainment. But the biggest thing we learned is the impact we can have on people's lives. And unfortunately, it happened with some tragedies in our community. And, you know, I don't need to necessarily go into it, but there were some certain tragedies that we brought the whole community together and I lost it. I got emotional. Our staff got emotional. And we realized even with all the crazy promotions, the circus, the reason why we do is what we do is the impact we can make on people's lives and really bringing people together and caring them for like uh, caring for them like a family. And when we realized we were able to do that. That influenced everything. And with me and Emily buying the expansion franchise in Savannah, we knew if we could create attention and get people to at least believe a little bit in what we were going to do, it was going to take care of itself. So when you go all in, it's when you know not just what you do, not how you do, but you know why you do it. And you have this huge purpose and you understand the difference that you're trying to make. That's when you can go all in. And that's when you know me and Emily went from zero debt to $1.8 million debt to <laughs> Long it away and and literally wow. sleep on an airbed. And I think it sounds like crazy, but me and Emily, Emily, my wife, who again, I'm going to keep going back to her. Not many wives would go through this. I right. Mean, this is our first year of marriage. She was doing this. Um, she she was under, all in. That's amazing. Oh, she was all in, and, and 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 she got it because she knew she saw in my eyes and I saw in hers that we believed we were going to do something truly special. And we weren't worried. I mean, the cockroaches, the ants, the airbed, the terrible ramen noodles, everything we ate, we weren't worried about it. So. Don't go all in until you've tried small bets, until you understand your purpose, until you understand why you're doing what you're doing and believe in it more than anything. Then the all in, as bad as it gets, it won't deter you and it won't make you quit. Yeah, a, lot right. of, a lot of people would have quit. Right. And, you know, I, there's, there's a lot to be said, too, about like, I bet you you went through some of these, especially when you walked in on your first day and you're 23 and it's like, wow how can I make it worse? <laughs> oh, oh, it's crazy. But right? it, was, it was, it was such a cool challenge, you know? Yeah, I no, I get it. Because you it, should never go to like, I think when people want to move, they want to move to this shiny new object. You, you talked about it earlier, like, you know, trying to go to that next job. Well, that's terrible because again, you go to that job that's very successful or that company that's really killing it. Then how much of an impact can you really make? So right. I, Love. You know, think about the greatest coaches, you know, Bill Belichick and some of the, the great, they go to these teams that are struggling and then they build them. And, and I'm right. inspired, I'm inspired by the builders, the people that want to go into the like map a, makers. Yeah. Savannah, Georgia, a team that like literally professional baseball failed and they had to leave. To me, I was like, wow, if we can make it work in college summer baseball, you know, that's what's inspirational. And that's why I try to inspire people when I'm speaking with the book. It's like, what can you build? What can you make different? What can you make better? And that, that's that's exciting to me. So in this in this uh, book here, you talk a little bit about why there's no such thing as an overnight success, <laughs> because I, I think I know where you're going with this, but I want to hear you say it because you're you're kind of entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> No, this isn't even on video. If you saw me in the yellow tuxedo. I know, it would be so much better, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've danced on the field. I've done Michael Jackson and the thriller in the middle of the game. I've done all that. But today, uh, no, to talk about overnight success, it took over a decade, a decade from that first day in Gastonia to where we are in Savannah, where, you know, right now going into the 2018 season, there's a wait list for tickets in the thousands. And literally every reserve seat's already sold out. And just in a couple months before the season starts, Every single game will be sold out. And just to say how unprecedented that is, there are scalpers outside of our college summer baseball games wow. selling tickets for two and three times face value. It's crazy. That's crazy. And, and, and that's taken over 10 years of trying those small bets, of failing with ridiculous promotions, of learning why we do what we do. The world's build, largest ticket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's more of it. And it's, but it's building a culture. You know, I talked about the turnover. Uh, you know, millennials are 13 months. In three years in Savannah, we've had zero turnover. And it talks about, it's a testament to our people and understanding why we do what we do. Fans first is all about our people. Mm. And, and we think about that. I mean, during Christmas, they take off as much time as they need to. You know, there's no there's no PTO policy. When they want time off, they take it. You know, we take them on a cruise. We do things that it just brings us together as a family. And mm. companies start focusing on that. And so I, I want a little, you know, tangent there, but the overnight success it's obviously been a long, long road, and we're ready for this. We know we're going to fail again. And here's the reason. If we don't fail again, we're not trying enough new things. You need to constantly be re reinventing. My wife and I, we, we look at each other like, 
wow, we haven't really failed in a couple of years. And I'm like, well, we better try something crazy then. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Because as soon as you get into main maintenance mode, yes. that's where all these companies die. That's where Blockbuster, which had, what, 90% market share, they died because they're like, we're good doing what we're doing. We have to try something so crazy. And like, you know, last year we brought a 30-piece banana pep band into the games. Like, you know, I want to really change the game of baseball. It's too long. It's too slow. It's too boring. I want to change it so dramatically that people will be like, wow, this is crazy. And that is going to be an all-in moment. And we're going to try that and see what happens maybe in a few years. I don't know. But that's what keeps it exciting. And I think that's what builds your culture anymore. You need to have the challenges. If you're just all of a sudden we sell out every game every year and it's like, oh, guys, we sold out every game again and we got more national coverage again. You know, that right. It's almost like you've you've shifted gears and I don't want to break anything because everything's perfect and you get all precious about every little thing. Right. Yes. If and, you're not if right. you're not reinventing, you're dying. If you're not reinventing, you're dying. Yeah. I think that's well, you, that's you like, start playing to not lose. Exactly. You play <laughs> defense. Yeah. You play defense as opposed to playing offense. I mean, literally a right. couple months ago. The staff thought I was crazy, but, you know, that, that's normal at this point. But what I said is like, guys, we're going to re- release savannah banana underwear and we're going to call it dolce and banana and we literally bought hundreds of pairs of tidy whitey underwear and put a giant banana on the crotch in the middle and then we got another pair of underwear and we put a small banana and that was called the small banana underwear and the other one was called the big banana underwear. <laughs> and i remember the first day someone was like uh i went to all the games i'm not going to come anymore we're not going to support you and i was like guys this is good we got people talking we released a video to like italian music to the dolce and banana commercial and we hired one of our performers with a man bun and he was you know to wear this underwear <laughs> and, shoot all and we released the video you can see it on the savannah bananas facebook and it got thousands of views and what happened We've sold hundreds of pairs of underwear. People actually, it was like the number one stocking stuffer. Well, according to us, it was at least. It sold a lot. (laughs) We're taking chances. We have a team in our league called the Macon Bacon. And I'm literally thinking on opening night, can we, you know, let 25 pigs just run on the field and say, stop the Macon Bacon. Oh, that'd be great. I don't know. You know, we're thinking about things like that, but that's reinventing. And if you're a regular business and you're not thinking like that, if you're not finding your yellow and tux and finding what's standing out, you're going to die. Wow. 96% of businesses fail within 10 years. 50% of businesses fail within two years. Wow. That's crazy. And yeah. That's because they're, they're sustaining. They're in maintenance mode. Yeah, yeah. Or they're in that crazy like Silicon Valley mode of all they want to do is make something and then sell it and go, I don't know, live in the Bahamas or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's such a good point. I love it because they're, they're focused on money. If you're yeah. focused on money solely or if you're focused on maintaining, you're dead already. Yeah. You have to be focused on people, your customers, your culture. You gotta love your customers more than you love your product, and you gotta love your employees more than you love your customers. If you start there, that's how you win in business. Yeah, that that maintenance mode is just that's kind of like where I think like your standard sort of like um, you know, not changing kind of like dying kind of business is already right now. That's like the default position. It's almost like don't rock the boat. <laughs> yeah, you know. So anytime no, there's didn't. any sort of attention, it's always bad, right? Because it means yeah. somebody screwed up. No, we grew by 5% last year. You know, we were profitable. Let's let's just try to do that again. Right. Like, <laughs> companies think about like, you know, let's try to incremental growth. They look at what they did last year and look for incremental growth. That is scary. That's scary. Yeah. And most companies do it. You know, st- you know, and that's what I love about some of these crazy guys like Grant Cardone is like 10 times Times growth. I'm like, that's crazy, but that's the way you should be thinking. One of the greatest books in business is David Schwartz's uh, The Magic of Thinking Big. Business right. owners don't think big enough. They think, they think, hey, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing because it's easier. Well, it's not easier when your business is out of business. Right. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden there's competition or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> competition is a great thing. I love competition. You know what I love? People think their competition is someone like, I love, oh, you're in Savannah. There's no other sports teams. You don't have competition. I go, are you kidding me? You know what my competition is every single night? Netflix, a couch, a restaurant, anywhere anyone can go or do something, that's competition. And you got to realize as a business, you're not competing against the same people from your industry. You're competing against the best people. We compete against Disney and their experience. We compete against Amazon, who literally does two-day you know, two free shipping. That's right. Who we're as a business, realize who you're competing against. It's the best of the best because that's where your expe- expectations of your customers are. The customer's expectations are getting higher and higher every single day. And, and you got to find a way to meet it. And you got to really think big to do it. 
So you, you talked a little bit about patience, persistence, and perseverance. So let's, let's talk about those. Those are some of my big favorite three. I, I, I think I might be too patient <laughs> if that's possible. Uh, I'm with you. you know, patience is a, is a tough one. And, uh, you know, the three P's, that's part of the long game chapter. And I think it's so important. You got to understand you're playing the long game. People make short term decisions based on money. They don't make long term decisions based on their culture and based on their fans. You know, again, what's the perfect experience for their customers? They need to envision that and not just think what can make a short term buck. But as far as patience, persons, uh, pers- uh, patience, persistence, persistence and perseverance, right? And perseverance. Patience. You know, I said this to our staff. We come up with a fans first uh, playbook that we give to everyone on our staff. And on the back of it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And I think that is such an important thing because we want everything now. We're in a want it now society. I want this. I can. And most times we can get it now. You want your favorite dish of food. You can have it. You want your favorite thing from around the world, Amazon will ship it to you. You want to watch your favorite show on Netflix, you can watch it whenever you want. We're in that want it now society. So now with business, many people lack that patience. They're so impatient to want it now. You got to understand, you got to be persistent and keep working hard and going after what your dreams, your big long-term picture. And you got to persevere through the challenges. But you got to have patience and know that it's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be the next day. You know, I, we believe here the bananas, we can be a worldwide brand that changes the world. I talk about it. They're like, that's crazy. I'm like, guys, it's going to take patience and we're going to have to continue to persist and we're going to have to persevere through some challenges. But that's how we think and that's how we understand. So, you know, I think every business needs to practice those a little, little bit. Like, you know, you can't assume that next week you're going to make the huge difference. You need to start building it into your culture through the persistence and perseverance. Right. And it's not, it's not, you know, and the thing is, again, going back to that whole overnight success thing, you know, you might look at not knowing what's going on in the whole, the big big picture and think, oh, geez, this says Savannah Bananas. They were, it only took them to go from nothing to something amazing in two years. But that's not, that's not really what happened, right? The real story was there was like 10 years of, of, uh, you know. Lots of struggling. And we're we're still starting. And and that's the thing. Like, I I love this about Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he he always said, you know, we're just 1% done. And like, and literally, like, I think Jeff Bezos says the same same thing on Amazon. Like, you know, we're on our first chapter. When you Mm. think long-term picture, that's how you win in business. I mean, we're only going into our third year now. And I'm thinking so big as far as like a TV show, a documentary, a film, because, you know, your listeners probably never heard of the Savannah Bananas. While we've made a huge impact in the Southeast and we have sold merchandise all over, you know, we haven't made that huge, huge impact on how we can impact a million people or even more. So you got to understand that you're just getting started no matter what business, even if you're in 10, 20 years, you're you're still just you're still just getting started. That's true. You're right. You got to take the long view. Exactly. There you go. Hey, this has been a blast, Jesse. So you are at uh, findyouryellowtux.com. And uh, go ahead yes. and plug it one more time. T- tell- <laughs> <laughs> yes. so the, the That's a book, is, right? The book, the book is Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. And I also have a, a gift for your listeners. They can go to findyouryellowtux.com slash VVV. For vroom, vroom, veer. Perfect. Oh, and, man. I just, and, you're the first one that's figured that out. <laughs> so, the best so shortcut for my show. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. VVV. And I'm giving the secrets to the Yellow Tux handbook, literally the six ways you and your business can stand out today for free. So you can check that out, get that for free. Um, love for you to check out the book. It's got some really funny stories. As you can tell, I share it all. It's very entertaining, but also it's practical. So very excited to that. And then you can always check out the Savannah Bananas. Our videos are wild and crazy, and hopefully you can get some ideas and inspiration as well. Yeah, maybe I'll link to some of those videos. I'm going to find the funniest one. Geez, they all sound so funny, but I, I like the one with the underwear. That sounds very funny. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wild ones out there. I, I, I've been told that you go to going down a rabbit hole. Like People I've, I've done podcasts with, and they're like, I went on you know the YouTube and the Facebook, and I spent two and a half yeah you're doing something right yeah right (laughs) yeah thanks jesse this has been a blast i appreciate you being here uh it's been great and thanks for what you're doing i'll tell you keep laughing keep having fun and keep standing out my man thanks jesse 
Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Thank you.